and welcome to the interview. I'm here with Tina Stewart, who is uh, recently appointed the Girls Academy Manager at Celtic. Hi, Tina. Hi, Claire. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, do you want to just kick off by telling us a little bit about what your background and what that role entails at Celtic? Because a few people might not Yeah, not know. so a bit of background. I've kind of been involved in football my whole life and um, moving into kind of coaching role and and then other roles within, within the game. So my last job was a girls and women's club development officer for the Scottish FA and looking to grow participation. Yeah. And whilst doing that as well, I also was the head coach of the women's under 15s national team. So pulling all that experience together, you know, I, I applied for this job and thankfully was successful. And I guess my job going forward is to, to build on a lot of the good things that, that are already in place, mm-hmm. you know, and, and trying to further develop that performance culture of giving young girls a, a structure and pathway to progress through the club to potentially become professional footballers here in Scotland. Yeah. And so, so that, that, that's it in a nutshell without getting into yeah. too much of the detail I'm sure we'll get into some of, to do. we'll get into some of the detail how does it feel to be back at Celtic because you obviously you're a big Celtic fan and you started um when the academy I think in the early days of the academy you were around weren't you yeah so I'm super excited to be back for a number of reasons obviously one being a Celtic fan but but two just exciting where the girls game is going um you know I I was first involved with the club from its inception back in 2007 as a coach with the, the then under-11s. Um, and I, w- I was with the club for, for eight years and worked with many players and many coaches and staff at the club, working with various age groups. So, yeah, I'm really excited to be back and bring all that experience, amongst other experience that I have, to the club to help to help take it forward. Yeah, and obviously kind of having that understanding of the culture at Celtic and how, how yeah, that and might have changed or developed. Um, just a little bit then as a Celtic fan, what are your kind of, just going back to the early days of becoming a Celtic fan and what led you into that and what your early memories are? What's your memory of your sort of first games and being at Celtic Park? So I've got a terrible memory going all the way back. I, I really do. Um, Celtic wasn't my first love, unfortunately. <laughs> but it'll be my forever love now. Okay. Um, you know, season book holder for yeah. ten plus years. Um, also part of the the our nine journey, yeah. if you like. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just memories of Celtic Park is just you know, just such a warm, welcoming atmosphere. It, it's fun, and what I have a wee daughter myself who's only two at the minute, and she's on that waiting list for her for a season book. So. I'm excited about taking her um, on that journey and becoming a Celtic fan. And I guess the difference for her from me is that she now can look at women at the club and aspire to actually go and play for the club. You know, I never had that as an aspiration because I I never seen it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I was going to ask you a bit about that. Did you have sort of heroes and idols at Celtic? Not out, out with the women's game, people that you were seeing on the pitch who you were kind of, who were your favourite players? And, yeah, and you know, all... like, what obviously I'm, I'm too young, I am getting older, but I'm too young for the Paul McStay era, but, you know, watching videos of 
Paul McStay, Jimmy Johnson, of course, every fan knows about them. And yeah. and then I guess probably in more recent times, you know, it's Henrik Larsson. Okay. Yeah. And everything <laughs> that he done. Um, yeah, definite idols. Um, and um, you, did you, did you grow up around the East End of Glasgow? Was that where... Yeah, I'm from, born and bred in Parkhead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, so I remember fans going to the games mm. so when I was younger you know we didn't go to the games yeah. couldn't afford it to be honest you know but so we used to play football in the street I used yeah. to play football in the street with all the boys the local boys and whatever and when there was big Celtic games on or any Celtic games on we would put the ball away for a few minutes and we would say to the, the fans we're going to the game oh, we'll, we'll watch the car for you we'll keep an eye on your car <laughs> you know and you'd get, a, get a few bob um from from the fans after the game for for looking after the car. I was going to ask you a bit about because you'd spoken, um, you know, in the interview with, I think Celtic View or when you were announced about um, being the first girl to play at your primary school and then um, playing at your local club in Parkhead. And was that because you'd been playing on the streets with the boys? And is that how you yeah. got involved and wanted to do that? That's how I got involved. As you know, Scotland is it's massive football culture and. You know, just in the streets or in the back, mm. boys playing football, and I, I just wanted to play. And in actual fact, it was watching my dad play with his friends, and I tried to get involved. And you know, my dad's trying to explain to me, "You're, you're too small." You, you, you know, I was only two or three, and I just wanted to play football. So I think it was just kind of built in my DNA. Um, but yeah, later on, just playing with boys my age and a bit older in the streets and. Then going to school, playing before school at break time, lunch time, after school, getting home, getting quickly changed, then back out and you know you get shouted up for dinner. No, no, I don't want to cut the new. I'm playing football, and so it all kind of started from there. Mm. Um, and then I tried out for the school primary team as you had mentioned there, and the day after the the deputy head, um, Mrs. McInnes, if memory serves me right, brought me out of class just to say. Unfortunately, we can't select you because too many boys have tried out, you know, so not because I wasn't good enough. Yeah. And that was the culture then in society and, you know, that was deemed acceptable and and she was a female, mm. you know, so mm. I look back in that and I use that as motivation to, to help change those views yeah. and that, you know, yeah. that's where a lot of my passion and drive comes from of, of working coaching, volunteering in, in girls and women's football is that I don't want any young girl to have to get go over the barriers and fight fight down the, the barriers that I had to face to play football just because I was a girl. Yeah, so how how did, can you remember how that felt when she said that, as, even as a real youngster? Yeah, I just felt gutted. Yeah. Just totally gutted, you know, but I'm like, I, I want to play. So I was like to my classmate Scott, I'm like, oh, I've not been picked. You know, she says there's too many boys tried out. I was like, do you think I could come try out for the, the local team, that you know, the boys team, Leeds United? And he's like, I'll, I'll ask, I'll ask Jimmy, you know. And so put all that in place and I went and I trialled out and, you know, and was, you know, Jimmy's like, aye, aye, well, and you come, and you come. And and I remember getting my first kit, my wee bag with the Leeds United oh. badge on it, the jumper, and... I just felt amazing. I felt amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I was you know, going to training every week and, and it was like a local park, no, even a park, it was just a grassy area yeah. that we used to train on. And, yeah. you know, and but back then when you turned 12, you couldn't play 
girls couldn't play boys football anymore. So I then had to to move on and try and find a local girls team. And and thankfully, you know, with the help of Jimmy, I found that. And, um, you know, a local guy called Frank Stewart, who now actually is my father-in-law, um, he, he ran a local girls team um, called Glasgow East. So Glasgow East. So that was your 16. That was your first girls club. Girls girls only football. Amazing. And did you have um we talked a little bit about obviously, you know, Celtic heroes and stuff. Were there women who you were looking up to at that time, people playing maybe at a national no. level who you were visible to you, who you, you No, were... nobody was visible at that mm. point. Nobody was visible. The only the only role models that I had and it was more sporting role models rather than uh-huh. than football was at high school. I also played basket when I went to high school I played basketball for the school. And then thankfully there was, you know, girls football opportunities at high school. Mm. Um albeit one of the PE teachers was still of the opinion girls shouldn't be playing football. Um, but you know, I played basketball, and there was you know come up some older girls there that are now you know lifelong friends, Louise and Natalie, that I looked up to and the commitment that they had. Um, you know, so I used to play basketball after school, and then from from there I would run down to the local park to then go to football training. I just I loved sport, but football's always been the number one. Yeah, so it's kind of your passion and drive. It sounds like that kept you in the game in the face yeah. of the things that were you were being told n- that it wasn't for you basically yeah yeah, yeah basically yeah um although uh, yeah I then decided at the age of 24 25 I think I was a I was kind of met with the decision of do I continue playing or do I look to focus on developing as a coach and and off the pitch stuff so it was at that point the girls were the girls were playing, had transitioned to the summer season, but the senior women's game was still playing in the traditional season. So I was playing and training, um, working full time and coaching the girls under 15s. And just my health, you know, my body was yeah. telling me I can't sustain this. I was driving two or three hours every day for for work. Yeah. Um, you know, so I had the tough decision that, you know, something has to give here and mm. unfortunately I can't give up my job because I need to earn a living and as much as it, it broke my heart, you know, I was considering stop playing. Yeah. At that time back then I was thinking, you know, I, I want to be part of growing and developing the girls game, the girls yeah. women's game already I was thinking that back then. So I, I made the decision to stop playing and, and focus on my coaching and you know, sitting here today as Celtic Girls Academy manager, I know that was the right decision now. Mm. And do you think so, that if you'd, obviously the game is turning more professional in Scotland and if you'd had that opportunity, do you think that professional football playing would have been a route that you might have considered if it had been an option at that time? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I kind of th- wish I was 20 years younger, 15 <laughs> ready. Yeah. I'm looking at the opportunities that lie ahead in Scotland, you know, yeah, to become yeah. a professional footballer in Scotland. I, yeah. I think what you're describing is really familiar from other people we've spoken to in the women's game is that it's just that um, that level of commitment that you have to have to juggle everything because there's so yeah. much going on and, and you know, it, the game needs so much support and there's not as many resources put into it. So it yeah. really relies on people like yourself who are 
juggling lots of different balls in the air. Yeah, and commitment is key. You know, yeah. whether it's as much as it's moving into that space of professionalism, commitment as a player, as a coach, mm. you know, is going to be key to anyone's development. And that's advice I'd give anyone is that I'm sitting here today because I've committed massively to, to growing yeah. and developing, you know, my knowledge and understanding of the game and and people and dealing with people because ultimately that that's what it's about. We're, we're dealing with people and we're supporting and developing people, mm. albeit the main focus is developing as footballers, yeah. you know, but I want to bring all my experience to help develop, you know, young girls and, and coaches as well as people. Uh, yeah. Um, and I was just going to ask you as well, what the, so obviously having been at Celtic in those earlier days, coaching with, the younger teams and the girls and coming back in now have you been able to see any changes what what are the things that stand out to you now as what's happened in the sort of intervening years if I'm being honest at the minute no okay purely because of covid yeah <laughs> but well I take that back actually because one of the things that really excited me when you know I, when I was offered the job and and listening about the bigger plans and where where the club want want to take the girls and women's program is that um, there was some work that we started with partnerships with other education establishments, you know, so trying to marry up football with off pitch opportunities for for young people and players. So that's a massive change. It was just about when I was there, it was about you know just giving girls opportunities to train and play and and ultimately try and be the best with the hope that in time professionalism would come. Um, so, so that's probably the big change that I see is, is that development of, you know, the, the professionalization. Yeah. So when you say off pitch opportunities, what do you mean just by that, just to clarify, you know, so like um, certificated course, you know, and education qualifications is, and also things like, you know, mindset and lifestyle management and also as well you know trying to educate young females so that they have female bodies and things mm. change and things are changing and how that impacts on performance and, and training and yeah. to take all th- those kind of things into account yeah that's really interesting and I guess obviously you're saying you, you haven't been able to really get into the nitty-gritty of what might have happened at Celtic and hopefully you'll be an integral part of what does change um but obviously you've been working with the Scottish FA and working with the national teams and I wonder what the key things you've seen say over the last 15 years towards where we are now with you know Celtic turning professional uh more opportunities for women to be playing football and more visibility of the game yeah so that visibility is key, you know, and it's continually trying to to raise role models that young girls and parents can see. I think it's trying to bring visibility for parents to see that, you know, this is an option for your daughter if if she really applies herself. Mm. Um, and also as well, in the last 10 to 15 years, what is massively growing as well is the number of girls that are starting to access the game from a younger age. So we're yeah. seeing the quality get better and better and Scottish FA are doing great things around, you know, increasing participation. And we need that increase in participation to then allow to develop yeah. the kind of performance end of the game, Yeah, which which is where I'm kind of moving into now with this role with Celtic. Yeah. Um, and what the Scottish FA have done great as well is, you know, 
using role models for the young girls so uh-huh. that they're kind of soccer center program as such and yeah. you know so it's about it's about clubs now looking at that and how can clubs bring their own role models to yeah. life and light with the younger players at the club as well yeah so and that's I, an area that I'll be keen on kind of pushing for like you well. said spreading that a little bit wider because obviously I've spoken to Kelly and she's spoken in an interview with us about you know girls coming up to her and she's kind of their hero when, yeah, you know, and that's because she's visible, and it is social media helps as well. Yeah, with that as well. But if we can, you know, marry it up alongside things that we're already doing, mm, mm. then and that's going to be key. You talked about participation there, and how you know that on a national level, increasing participation is sort of a key aim. Is that something in terms of numbers and performance that you'd like to bring into Celtic at this point to increase numbers? And are there any other things that you might have seen happen on an, at a national level or at other clubs that you've kind of thought that's something that is a great idea and we could bring into what we're doing? It. Yeah, so I think, you know, there's lots happening in the grassroots game and about growing the game, growing people accessing the game, giving them opportunities to, to take part. I think at a club like Celtic, you know, we want to provide a structure and pathway um, for girls to go through and potentially really reach, you know, professional status. You know, so it's it's not about overly filling that with numbers, but really yeah. trying to use the re- the limited resource that we talk about, yeah. you know, to, to really give girls the best opportunity to do that. Mm. Um, you know, and providing a structure from, you know, at kind of 10, 11, all the way through to, to 19, which is the current kind of the age bandings that, that come from SWF and, mm. and working with that to put all the structures in place to support the development yeah. of the players. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all. It's all really exciting. And I, I'm sure that lots of people listening will be watching eagerly to see how that all develops. How, as a coach and manager, would you describe your style um, obviously you've talked a lot about sort of the whole person and, and treating mm-hmm. players as yeah so I, I would I would say I'd like to think players and fellow coaches that I work with would say that you know I'm strict but fair you know but <laughs> fun as well yeah. for me you know there's, there's a wee saying that you know there's there's little success where there's little laughter yeah. you know so we need to make it fun it needs to be enjoyable so that you know everyone applies themselves as, as best as they can but when it's time to knuckle down and work hard you yeah. need to do them yeah so I think players that I've worked with in the past know that know that I, I expect you know commitment hard work and knuckling down when it's time to do that yeah um you know but there's times for having a laugh and a joke as well. You know, th- things that I do with the players is, you know, if you're trying to get t- part of that group management and getting your players in, it's like, right, last one in, doing a forfeit. You know, and the last one is, it, and they come in, I'm like, okay, you've got 15 seconds, you can tell a song, tell a joke, sing a song, or do a, do a dance. You know, so that, that gets the players kind of thinking and that just helps, I think, develop their character as well. Yeah. You know, and I kind of say, right, okay, if you've not got anything, I can give you something that you can do and and things like that, you know. So I would say that, you know, I'm I'm very organised, approachable, um, disciplined. I 
I expect high standards because I will give those high standards, you know, but I'm open-minded and, you know, as I say, very approachable because we need to remember that or something that I've learned is that you need to remember that it's people that you're dealing with and everybody's yeah. circumstances are different. Yeah, of course. Um, and is there are there any people who have kind of influenced the way that you've learned how to coach? Are there, are there people in the Scottish game who you look yeah, up so, to? Yeah, I've got lots of people and mentors around me and I'm afraid to mention anyone in case I miss anyone else out, you know, but um, (laughs) guys like Paul Brownlee, who was at the club before, I've worked closely with Paul and and learned lots from him, you know, about standards and expectations, um, as well as as about the game itself and teaching the game to others. Um, We we spoke about role models when, when we were younger. That's not really, I never really had that, but being older now, you know, Shelley Care is a great role model mm. um, as a female. Um, although I know we shouldn't be applying, you know, or it's a female coach, female manager, but unfortunately it's where we are and we need those figures there. So yeah. Shelley's definitely one of those those for me, along with Pauline McDonald, who, who's in the national setup as well. People like Shirley Martin and Corey Campbell at the Scottish FA yeah. that, you know, I, I lean on for advice. There's... Yeah, family, you know, my, <laughs> yeah. my granddad's followed all my football, was a massive lifelong Celtic fan. Yeah. You said your you father know, so. in, your father-in-law was your first coach. Yeah, my father, <laughs> there we go, see, I don't want my same. So, yeah, so my father-in-law, Frank, he, he's been massive. Yeah. My old PE teacher and basketball coach, Jim Lee. Yeah, so I guess. These are people that have massively influenced. My mum, yeah. of course, my mum, you know, has, has taught me about hard work and commitment. If, if I want whatever I want to do in life, go and do it. But I need to be prepared to to do the work to get there. Yeah. You know, so I guess I am what I am because of a lot of the, the foundations that that she set for me. Yeah, I get. And what you're sort of describing there is just a really strong network of people. And I guess the the more people get involved, especially in the girls and women's game in Scotland, the stronger that network grows. So absolutely. Um, just a little bit then about uh back at Celtic. Um. Obviously, Fran has taken over as the new head coach of the women's team. So, there, you know, I've talked about this with other people as well. There was this sort of sense of a real shift when he came in and the professionalization took place. Obviously, that's been hugely disrupted by current events, <laughs> which yeah. has been a real shame. But I wonder if you've got an idea about how closely you might work with the first team coaches and you've talked about that pathway and how whether they will have an influence back into the academy yeah I think it's important that that we work closely together albeit my remit will be focused on the academy but as part of that it's about the facilitation process of supporting the players that are on the fringe of of first team football so Mm. yeah I'll be working closely with it with the first team staff to to make sure that all all measures are in place for that. Um, and looking at the style and also as well, you know, gaps within mm. within the team, um, you know, what, what are things that are as a common themes of young players that are coming through that they're doing really well or need to improve on. So we can then put the plans in place down the academy to try and to try and close the gaps. Yeah. Yeah. Um and you know, and I have a strong like I've been working closely with David Haley the last couple of weeks. Okay. And um, you know, who's been supporting me and yeah. kind of a handover 
he, he used to kind of look look after yeah. the girls' academy, and he he's now the the assistant, Fran's assistant at the first team. So yeah, there's established relationships there. So I guess it's just about you know continuing to to work and build them to ensure that we. Yeah, a strong structure and pathway in place. Yeah, and we've talked to Fran a little bit about how you know the the relationship between the women's game and the men's game, and then obviously it's the youth. It, everything has to be joined up somehow, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's that whole joined up approach, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier about you know the club and the history that the club has. You know, we need to instill those values and principles within the girls and women's programme, which are all already there. It's just about building upon them. Yeah. In terms of the actual setup for girls um, and the opportunities for sort of matches and training, a lot of people who are listening, including myself, might not quite understand how that works. Obviously, it might not be working at full capacity at the moment, but <laughs> in an ideal world, you know, wh- when are your youth teams training and how, what's their... Um, how, do, how are they getting match experience? Are they playing in leagues? Okay, so at the moment, it's obviously challenging and our girls' academy teams aren't back training at the moment, which is highly frustrating for everyone, parents, players, coaches, myself. But it's important that they return, return to training safely. Yeah. Um, and all the guidelines are there from the, the SFA and SPFL Joint Response Group, which which is great and we'll, we'll follow and abide by them. But the club has went above and beyond to put extra measures in place to make sure we're doing everything we can to mitigate any risk of transmission of, of the virus. Mm. So whilst it's frustrating that, you know, they're not back training yet, we want to do it right. Yeah. We want to take the time and do it right and not just, you know, get them back training and that's it. And because we're seeing across the country, you know, local lockdowns of cities, towns, even of football clubs having to lock down for a bit. And, you know, we want to do everything we can to yeah. absolutely try and mitigate that as best as we can. So yeah. whilst that's frustrating, we're doing everything. I'm doing everything. I've been spending, you know, my, my couple of weeks in post trying to make sure that everything's in place. All coaches, players are up to speed with the protocols and stuff so that we can get back training safely. In an ideal world, um, you know, we, we would be training in the evenings during the week and, and playing games at the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like the under-19s, for example, which is the step before the the women's first team, they, they, they were training like four nights a week in their game at the weekend. Okay. You know, your, your younger age groups, like the, the, the 11s, 12s, were training two nights a week mm-hmm. and then their games at the weekend so and where, where does that training happen for the South? so that training happens across Barrafield, Lennox Town and external facilities that we, okay. we hire so they do go up to Lennox Town as well yeah, yeah. they go up to Lennox Town Barrafield as well yeah. I was just going to ask you about um, resources as well because obviously to grow the team at Celtic and to kind of all that stuff you talked about participation and um are the club putting more resource into it? Obviously, they've appointed yourself. And it's, yeah, I think you know, that's evident. You yeah. know that they've they've appointed obviously full time staff yeah. within the first team. Yeah. You know, and they've also got the full time you know academy manager and myself. So that yeah, the investment's definitely coming. Feels like a bit. Does it feel like a bit of a shift 
in that sense yeah, with the academy absolutely it feels like a shift you know um and it's just about continuing to work and grow that and and try to do everything right and doing things like this today in terms of trying to expose the girls and women's game as a product yeah you know so we can look at generating further revenue to then further invest in in yeah. its development you know it's yeah it's key I mean I was going to ask you next about kind of a bit negative but what you feel like it, the barriers currently are obviously for Celtic but also Scottish women's football one of those things we've already talked about is visibility and I've talked to like I've talked to Fran about you know the availability of footage and things like that what do you see as the kind of in the short term and then obviously a little bit further down the road the main things that we need to work on or the Scottish game needs to work on Short term is the same challenge for everyone, and it's COVID. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you know, as much as yeah. you like, don't don't say it's COVID, but it, but it is. It really is. That's that's yeah. a massive challenge at the minute. Mm. Um, just to try and get the players back training, never mind mm. playing games. You know, I think it's. I know a lot of teams are um, talking about going to play games and playing friendlies. I think it's important that. As part of that safe return to training, it's given the players, you know, they've technically been, you know, not on a football pitch. As I said, the 19s, for example, are used to training four nights a week and haven't kind of had pitch sessions for six months almost. It's like, yeah. you know, we're going to have to build them up before they, they start looking at games. And so that's going to be the cha- a challenge in terms of getting players up to speed mm. with training to prepare them for playing games. And that's going to be a short term yeah. challenge. Yeah. Um, are you doing any sort of I know the first team have been doing some online stuff so they've been doing fitness training online and yeah so obviously I've came in and um, in the last couple of weeks just speaking to the coaches and getting to know the coaches and I've been blown away actually by the work that they've been doing via zoom and engaging the players you know in weekly fitness sessions just quizzes and things like that for, for morale and keeping engagement so there is there is a um, contact there regularly in terms of that, you know, but it's not quite the same as being on the football pitch with the ball, turning, changing, yeah, you know, and all that. So whilst that's been going on, which has been great, yeah, you know, we need to, it's now the next step of getting the girls in yeah. regularly training. Yeah. Um, well, that's that does sound really positive. I guess then in the longer term, if we take COVID out of the equation, what do you see as the the next steps for Scottish women's football? Obviously, more of, more teams potentially turning professional if if that's going to happen. Yeah, so that's the, the challenge in as well as I know you're saying not to say COVID, but because of COVID and the mm. the revenue implications that that has yeah. for other clubs. Does that then have a knock-on effect that maybe clubs, other clubs have plans for becoming more professional? Yeah. You know, does that get put in the back burner? So that's going to be a challenge in terms of trying to professionalise the whole of the top end of the game for the for the women, you know. So um, I think it's about everyone working together. So the, the National Association, Scottish FA, SWF, the clubs coming together mm. to, to try and put that take a commercialised step to to putting the women's game out there and, and giving it more exposure and, and yeah. mainstream media and, yeah. and whatnot. I think saying commercialisation is really interesting because it's that thing, you, I think you mentioned this earlier, it's like we're, it's a product that we need to kind of get out there and sell it as a product. 
I was going to ask you about COVID, but we've basically covered that. <laughs> um, it's because it's the here and now, and it's right absolutely. at the forefront of everything I'm having to yeah. deal with to, to yeah. try and get, get us back training. Yeah, and I guess because where the women's game is and where the Celtic women's team and girls' academy development is at, the, the resilience just isn't quite there in the same way to something when there's a hit from something like COVID an unexpected event takes place it's it feels kind of much bigger potentially to yeah. a game that's not as developed as the men's game yeah is. that's yeah that's a valid point yeah um in terms of you personally so obviously you're excited to get going with this challenge potentially a bit frustrated that yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely you know because I came, I went for the job because I, I'm passionate about, you know, developing players and yeah. giving players the chance to develop both on and off the pitches yeah. as well. And, you know, that I'm having to do a lot of other stuff just yeah. to try and get them on the pitch, you know. So, yeah. um, but it is what it is. And I'm, I'm willing and prepared to do all that hard work to, yeah. to get them back training. So, great. Yeah. And what are your sort of personal ambitions for, first of all, the academy? Have you got any kind of goals that you've thought about? Or and also personally as a as a coach and a manager, what are your? Yeah, so you know, I personally, I just I want to grow and develop within this role and ambitions and kind of I've always been focused on trying to develop myself to, in order to improve and and very I'm a very ambitious person. Um, further down the line, I would like to go back to university. Um, and look to do sports management just to help me in the process of supporting the coaches who ultimately will be the people that develop the players. Mm. Um, so I want to be in the best possible position to put the right support structures in place to support them in order to support the players as they'll progress through the pathway. Um, for the academy itself, you know, I want it to be the first choice for, for players and parents alike that they want to bring their daughters and their daughters want to come and choose Celtic is, is the pathway for them to progress and develop as players potentially into full-time football. But also as well, some changes that I'd probably look to put in place is, in my experience, and a lot of other nationalities do this as well, is that getting girls playing boys football, mm. you know, helps develop them you know yeah. because there's biology there as well in terms of you know faster stronger and yeah. you know that's a very generalized term you know yeah. but if I played boys football you you look at most of the national team players just now yeah. you know you think of players like Julie Fleeton mm-hmm. you know who's an icon of the girls and women's game in Scotland that you know, who played boys football when I was part of the, the elite programme with the Scottish FA when I was younger, we played against boys teams. Yeah. So I definitely yeah. think there's value in there. So I'm keen to look at the younger age groups in the academy fitting in line with it, the guidelines of the national mm-hmm. associations that we look to play against boys teams regularly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think I've, I remember speaking to one of the players um, in the women's first team squad, I think it was Josie Giard, but don't quote me, but talking about how she, when she started, it she was a bit older. So the boys had been playing maybe for two, three, four years. And she felt a bit, not necessarily behind physically at that age, but the, they yeah. had sort of formed this 
idea of football and they just there was more of a clique around it that felt a bit impenetrable so I guess getting girls in in a mixed environment from a really young age yeah. is really important yeah absolutely so that that's something that I'm, I'm keen to yeah to look into and, and look to bring in awesome um hopefully we will hear more from you as things progress and you know what maybe we can have another chat once you're actually back playing and and things have kind of kicked off hopefully in the next however long I'm not going to say a time frame however long that's going to be I don't want to do it that's the million dollar question I don't know if any of the girls will be I, I I've been going to the um women's games up at K Park and there's often girls up there from I think from the academy who go and watch those games as well so I don't know whether they'll hopefully be there on October the 18th when the first game against Glasgow yeah, City. Yeah, no, I know. I don't know. At the minute with that, I'm not sure what what's in place with regards to fans. Obviously, there was a couple of test events I've seen at yeah. the weekend there with the, the SPFL game at Ross County. Yeah, well, we've got, about, fans in. got about a month, so I'm, I'm hoping to be well, there. Yeah, fingers crossed, absolutely. We've, you know, the great Jock Steen, you know, football is nothing without fans. Yeah, so we need absolutely. the fans. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for um, having a chat with us today. Like I said, hopefully we'll keep in touch with you and see you again. And we're going to um, keep talking about the women's game and the girls game um, and come along, maybe come along to some training and have a, a look at what you're doing at some point. Oh, great. Sounds good. Absolutely open to that. As I say, it goes back to also what I said about that exposure and, and visibility so no definitely open to yeah. further chats and hopefully in-person visits to see what we're doing yeah well and so thank you so much tina um and we'll speak to you again down the road great thanks claire take care take care bye 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 bye